Yes, the audio recording is on. So let's look at the scripture today. Luke chapter 5 and the cleansing of the leper. And I'll begin reading from verse 12. Let us hear the word of the Lord. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and besought him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And he stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to the people. But so much the more the report went abroad concerning him, and great multitudes gathered to hear and to be healed of their infirmities. But he withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That's only four verses, but there's so much there. I think that's going to take our time for study today. So we're in no hurry as we study the scriptures. We want to take it verse by verse and really get into it and, and learn all there is to learn. And this is going to have, this morning, we're going to actually do a little work back in the Old Testament as well, because there's a lot to learn in just this, this passage. But let's begin with this thought. It tell, Luke is very careful to give us lots of details. He says, as he was in one of the cities, or while he was in one of the cities, it's important to note that Jesus is not out in the wilderness right now. You know, he he went away to a lonely place to pray quite often, and it tells us in the end of this verse that he did. But he's been going through from village to village, town to town, in and around the Galilee area. And it's while he was in one of the cities that the leper came up to him. Now, what does that tell us right there? That tells us that this man, this, this, this leper, he is desperate to see Jesus because lepers weren't allowed to enter the cities. Lepers had, they had to live outcast outside the city. If there were several, they had to live in a colony amongst themselves. But this whole idea of, of leprosy, we want to talk and explain for just a few minutes. He is clearly a desperate individual, and we can understand why. Leprosy was a disease, it is a disease still, uh, that horrible, I, I think it's best described as a living death. It attacks the skin and it eats it away until literally there's no feeling left. And literally the, the appendages like fingers, hands, arms, legs, they just fall off. Noses, it, it's a horrible, horrible disease. Now, in biblical times, there was more than one kind of leprosy. And there still may be. The term was used for skin lesions and skin diseases that would cause a person to be unclean, as the Jews understood uh, cleanliness according to the law of Moses. And this was such such contagious disease that it was important for the that the people be out for the preservation of everyone else. They had to be outcast. What a horrible, horrible thing to have happen to have to be outcast. Life for the people of God centered in community. Life was always the temple or the synagogue, everything in the village. This was all the, the center of life. And if you couldn't participate in that, 
In fact, you couldn't even see your own family because you didn't want to give them the disease. So there's a strong parallel in, in, a, in a much more minor way because we're not afraid of, of leprosy, but there, there's such a fear rampant in our culture right now with this coronavirus that literally family members are being secluded and isolated for fear of giving this disease to other family members. And some of that's not by their choice. Uh, some of that is because an elder family member is living in an assisted living or, or a nursing home or somewhere that literally will not allow anyone to visit at this time. So there's a strong parallel, and I think there's really a lot the Lord wants us to learn in this study this morning uh, here. So as we consider this leper, this man who was a leper, we want to realize that this, this guy was, it says in the scripture, Luke gives us the detail, full of leprosy. So he wasn't in the beginning stages. You could take one look at him and you could see that he was full of it. His, the decay on his outer body had to be uh, very advanced for Luke to put a note that he's full of leprosy. Now, lepers... If they were walking down a road or anywhere near other people, uh, and especially if it was in the early stages, it wasn't obvious maybe that they could be seen. Maybe the leprosy was under their clothes. Uh, they were obligated to shout out, unclean, that they were unclean because they didn't want you to come near. So they had to take the responsibility to A, live outside, of every, everything in the, to be an outcast, and B, to make sure that they didn't come near others. That's so sad. Now, uh, I have a comment here that I want to read to you from a, a doctor who was in charge of a leper colony. This was back in the early 20th century somewhere. It was in, in a place called Itu. Uh, and I'm not sure, but I think that might have been in Africa. I didn't have time to look that up. But... Uh, Here's what, he, here's what he writes, this doctor who was in charge of a leper, leper colony. This is recorded by William Barclay, the Bible commentator. He said, quote, The leper is sick in his mind as well as his body. For some reason, there is an attitude to leprosy different from the attitude to any other disfiguring disease. It is associated with shame and horror, and it carries in some mysterious way a sense of guilt, although innocently acquired like most contagious troubles are. Shunned and despised, frequently do lepers consider taking their own lives, and some do. That's the end of the quote. So this Dr. A.B. McDonald is, is good morning, uh, Dennis. Thanks for joining in today. This, this doctor who was char in charge of a leper colony, he's been observing them for years, and he, he notices this sense of guilt and shame that they feel. Isn't that sad? Because they didn't do anything wrong to, to uh, acquire this disease. It's very contagious. They shouldn't feel shamed. They shouldn't feel dishonored. But yet they do feel incredibly depressed and incredibly... Uh, uh, just sad because of having to live this, this what's been described as a living death, a slow living death. Not too many things in the world worse than leprosy. So, hey, I want to remind you, just as we're working on this, um, go ahead and, and uh, type in a comment anytime. I've got it up on my laptop here as well. 
So if you have any, any comments, I hope to be able to see them and ask a question. Uh, hopefully you will, and I love to have the dialogue going. But I, I wanted to hear that from, from this doctor, the sense of, it gives us a, a kind of a modern day look into the shame of such things as leper colonies, the, the shame that they feel that, that they really shouldn't. So as we work into this story, we see that um, the, the, the leper is desperate. So he finds, he's going into this town to find Jesus because he obviously has heard the stories that there is one who is a miracle healer. He's a miracle worker. He can bring healing to you. And so we come, we don't know anything else about his life except that he comes into the city full of leprosy. But it says when he saw Jesus, it says he fell on his face and besought him. So we can see this leper falling down on the ground, probably on his knees, down on his face, and then bending up as he looks into the face of Jesus saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Isn't that incredible? Here is a leper who is, let's take his statement apart for a minute. He's not just asking to be healed. I mean, if you and I were desperate, we knew there was a miracle worker in town, I wonder if we would have the humility to bow down before them and to literally acknowledge their power over us, because that's what the leper's doing. He's acknowledging the godly power of Jesus Christ by saying, if you will. He doesn't just beg him and say, please heal me. He says, I know that if you will, you can make me clean. But Jesus had to look at that humility, that holiness in his heart, that, that love, that acknowledgement for his lordship, uh, for the power of Jesus' will, to acknowledge it that way. And so Jesus responds with two words. Now in English, it looks like more. It looks, you know, Jesus, it says, I will be clean. That's four words. But in the Greek, it's just two words. Thelo katarizo. Thelo, T-H-E-L-O. Katarizo. K-A-T-H-A-R-I-Z-O. Katarizo. And that literally means, I desire. I clean you. That's, that's literally what it means. Jesus says, I desire, I clean you. Wow. And then, if that's not enough, Scripture tells us that before Jesus said those words, he stretched out his hand and touched him. He touched a leper. That was something no one would dare to do. Um, Sylvia said, although not known in biblical days, we know now that it takes regular close physical contact to, con to contact uh, leprosy. Uh, and there's even more there. Let me read it. It says, Mother Teresa worked among them for years in India and never caught it. Uh, died both to both her cleanliness and the Lord. Died to both her cleanliness and the Lord. Beautiful comment. Thank you, Sylvia. Um, that, it, it, that it takes, now we know by modern research and trial and, and, and medicine that it takes regular, very close contact to catch it. So it probably wasn't as contagious as they thought it was in just, you know, making these poor people to live outcast. But in this, in this powerful touch, Jesus outstretches his arm because they understood in that day that you didn't touch a leper. 
Jesus did. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. Jesus touched the untouchable. I want to come back to that thought at at the end of our study. That is a powerful, powerful thought. Um, So Jesus could have just said, be cleansed. He could have just said, I do, you're, you're healed. But he didn't. He took the physical compassion of reaching out to touch the man. I think that was huge. Can you even imagine the power of that touch? What it meant to that man to make him whole, to know that, that, that the Lord is reaching out to touch me, that this man, Jesus Christ, is reaching out to touch me when probably he hadn't been touched in a very long time because he's an advanced case full of leprosy. So he probably has not been touched in a very long time. And one thing we know about the psychology of, of our human of our human nature, we need to be touched. This is what's so difficult about this, this coronavirus and the way that we've had to react through seclusion and sequestering. It's difficult. Um, James Davis said, what a statement. Jesus touched the untouchable. That sums up the grace of God perfectly. Amen, James. Amen, Pastor James. That is the grace of God. He is always willing to touch the untouchable. I'm going to circle back to that thought in our very ending. I just, I just love that thought. And I want to, but I want to speak to this thought right now that that in this current pandemic, we are, we are trying to be smart. Uh, we are trying to be careful to uh, wearing masks, not visiting the elderly. But I got to tell you, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. Um, it's so difficult for loved ones to not get to physically go in and hug and touch their parents or their loved ones in a way that it's, it's not God's plan for humanity. The touch is God's plan for humanity. Um, many studies and studies have been done with babies and some that were touched and some that weren't and how they matured and how they developed. And there's just been all kinds of psychological studies done to prove the power of the touch. Um, but yet when something becomes quote, untouchable, boy, we, we want to stay away from it. And so I think, I think there's really something for us here this morning in, in the lives that we're all living. We're not working through leprosy, but we are working through the challenge of our, the, cha- the greatest challenge of our lifetime. I've never been more challenged in my soul during this pan- than during this pandemic. Because everything I'm being asked to do it runs counter to everything I feel God calls me to do. And so I'm trying to be a good servant, a good steward, a, a loving a servant that, that does keep a distance, but it's difficult. It really is. Um, I had a meeting uh, this week with a uh, district superintendent over the Methodist church where I'm pastoring uh, part-time. And, and I said, he said, how's it going? I said, you know what? It is, it is going good, but it is hard. And I, I feel for those of you who are pastors out there, I know there's pastors that regularly get on this 
this Bible study. And, and I want you to know that I, um, boy, have I learned to feel for uh, the bivocational pastor who's trying to earn a living as well as share the gospel, because that's exactly where I'm at today. I've also learned to, to feel uh, for those of you who are working in, in very small churches, because that's exactly where I'm at today after spending 20 years in a, in a really large church. Uh, and especially in that small setting, everything small becomes more intimate and it becomes even more challenging, even, even harder to, to keep this social distance and to, to make sure everybody's safe. Uh, you know, in, in the church where I'm serving, we're serving uh, Holy Communion every week. And, uh, you know, I'm putting on a mask and gloves and, and doing things to, to try and make sure that it stays safe for everyone. And boy, that is just so counterintuitive to what, to who I am. But, you know, hey, we're going to do what we got to do because we love and because we care. But I'm believing, I am trusting that God is going to deliver us from this pandemic. Uh, Sylvia said Bonnie passed away shortly after the virus prohibited visitors. We wonder how much of her passing was due to not having, let's see what else that says, to not having Lonnie's regular daily touch. Wow, wow, Sylvia. That is a huge, huge comment. Um, I don't think we could help but wonder that. I mean, when she was, they were married so long, and even in her advanced uh, state of, of mind, she she knew he was there every day to touch her, to smile, to, to love her. And wow, to miss that is, is got to be unbelievable. Um, I have known a few friends that have had to watch their loved ones die and not be with them. And I, I'm telling you, it's, it's heart-wrenching. So uh, imagine the heart-wrenching feeling of this leper and his family who couldn't be with him anymore. But then... Imagine the joy. Imagine the joy that's about to happen in this leper's life because he's healed. And we're going to look back at, at some of the Old Testament stuff today uh, and talking about leprosy because Jesus tells him after immediate, it says immediately he was healed. The leprosy left him immediately. And it says here, Jesus says, I charge you, it says he charged him to tell no one because Jesus the word is spreading and it's getting harder and harder for him to just go from village to village and do all that he needs to do when he wants to. But, but of course the man doesn't, doesn't do that. He, I, he does probably tell people because the crowds and the report of it gets out even more. And, and we would do the same thing, I'm sure. But here he says, Jesus says to him specifically, go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to the people. What is it that Moses commanded? Well, if you have a Bible with you, and I hope you do, turn back to the book of Leviticus, chapter 14. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 14, 13 and 14, all talks about leprosy and the laws surrounding leprosy. Um, and it's some pretty fascinating reading, and we don't have time for all of it. But what I want you to see that I think is so fascinating here is what Jesus told him to do. Now, he told him to go make the sacrifice. What was the sacrifice? Okay, in the beginning of chapter 14 tells us that um, now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. 
he shall be brought to the priest. The priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprous infection is healed in the leper, the priest shall give orders to take, for the one declared clean, two small birds, for live and clean, and also cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And then the priest must give orders that one of the birds be killed. Now, follow this really carefully, okay? It's fascinating. Then the priest must give orders that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood and the hyssop, and the scarlet and the hyssop, and dip them and the living bird into the blood of the bird killed over the running water. So he's taking the live bird. What we've got here is a mixture of blood and water, okay? And, of course, the hyssop and the cedar wood are, are, are aromatic things that are also associated with cleansing. And, and they're, uh, they're taking the living bird and dipping it into the sacrificial bird's blood and water. Then, verse 7, then he shall sprinkle the water seven times on the one who's cleansed from his leprosy. And he shall be clean. And then he shall send away the living bird into the field. Now, there's a whole lot more to it. The leper has to go shave all the hair off his body and, and do lots of different things. But, but the realities are, this is what had to happen for a leper to be pronounced clean. Now, he's already clean, or this wouldn't be happening because he's been examined by the priest and the priest has said he's clean. Now, what we need to remember here is that there was no cure for leprosy. I don't think there still is. I, I mean, Sylvia is a nurse. She might know better than me. I don't, I don't think there's a cure for leprosy, uh, but I could be wrong about that. But there wasn't then, that's for sure. In fact, why did they have this law at all? Because somebody was getting healed. Probably didn't happen very often, uh, but let's think about it. Who healed the leper in the Old Testament? Only God. Only God could cure a leper. No, none. Okay, I'm right. Still no cure for it. Only God could cure a leper. That was true then. It's still true today. Still true today. There's a, there's a wonderful story in the book of 2 Kings about the, the captain of the, Assyri of the Syrian army, Naaman, you know that story where Naaman's dipped in the Jordan River seven times. And there's that seven number. We just saw this was sprinkling seven times. And this is seven is always a number of, of whole. It's a holy number. It's the complete number. The seventh day in which God rested. It's that holy, holy number of the Old Testament, if you will. And Naaman, uh, you know how he didn't want to go to the Jordan River. And, you know, but he, he wanted to be healed. And they told him to go to the king of Israel. That's where he was sent. The young girl sent a word to Naaman, said, if he goes to my country, to Israel, to the king of Israel, there's a man that will cure him. Well, when he goes to the king of Israel, the word comes to the king of Israel, and the story in 2 Kings doesn't name which king it is. It can only be one of four during Elisha, the prophet's reign. But, um, and if I spend enough time trying to figure it out, I'm sure we might be able to. But the point is, he goes to the king of Israel, 
And the king, and he, he said, because he's seeking a cure for leprosy. And the king of Israel says these exact words. He said, am I God that this man comes to me to be cleansed of leprosy? Only God could cleanse a leper. So I don't think it happened a lot, but God gave them the prescribed ritual for cleansing in the Mosaic law for the times when it did. And especially for this time, when God knew, the Father knew that Jesus, his son, would be there to cleanse this leper. Why? Now, you might be asking the question, why does Jesus send this leper to the priest to go through all these rituals? I mean, these the New Testament Christian in us wants to just, if we're not careful, we like to just do away with all ritual. And that's not good, because we are people that need visual reminders of our faith. We need physical reminders of our faith, just like we need that physical touch. Um, and, and so Jesus has a, a really important thing to do here. He's, he's not going to say, hey, you know, I'm Lord of life. I'm Lord of all. I'm Lord of the creation. I've cleansed you. You're free. Go on. Live your life. Have fun. No, he makes him go back and do what the law said. I think that's to teach us a very important point that while Christ is God, because we've been touched by God, that doesn't mean we're not accountable to the law we live within. He was still a Jew, and he still needed to live in that society, in that culture, and he needed to go. And it was proof to everyone, to the priest and to everyone, that God had come among them to touch this man, because only God can, can cure a leper can cleanse a leper. That is so powerful to me. Now, what else is powerful to me in this is this ritual of the two birds. The one is a sacrifice. The one is let to live. The living one is dipped in the blood and water of the other one, of the sacrificial one, and then is pronounced clean when that, when the person receives that clean. This is a huge type. You know, the Old Testament is full of what we call types and shadows of the things that are fulfilled in, in the New Testament. Old Testament types and shadows, New Testament uh, fulfillments. And this is a type and a shadow of baptism in the blood of Jesus and baptism in water. That's why there is both blood and water used here. So this is a this is a pointing towards the fact that one day there will be there will be two men. One is the sacrifice, that's Jesus. The other is representative of all humanity. And it is only by being dipped in the blood, if you will, and the baptismal font, if you will, or the Jordan River, whatever you want to call it, just use your own imagination here. The idea of the cleansing of the blood and you can you can see that even as far back as the book of Leviticus I, I just love, I think that's huge I think it's powerful uh, my mind when I was studying for this my mind kept racing through some of the old hymns that are just you know nothing but the blood of Jesus uh, there is a fountain filled with blood flow from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. I, I, 
there is so much power. I've had a little bit of a renaissance with hymns uh, because I'm singing them every week in church now in this small church where I'm serving. That is what we sing. Um, and I'm loving it. I'm just loving it because there's so much power in the words of, of those hymns. So I was reminded of that today too. Now, so a little Old Testament lesson for us there from the book of Leviticus on leprosy and why this leper had to be, had to go to the priest, had to pay the price. Would have been a lot easier to just not have to pay it because when you read all of Leviticus 14, it's actually kind of an expensive offering and all that he has to do. And there's even provisions there for one that is poor. Well, then you have to make it like this. God always did that in the Mosaic law. He always took care of the poor that couldn't quite afford the offerings. And you might say, well, why did he make one offering greater than the other offering? I think that's to teach us that we owe God everything. We should offer God everything uh, in the tithe of 10%. I mean, just give it. You know, God is not trying to give us a, a, a quick way out and a short way out and a less expensive way out, but he does have mercy for those that can't, literally, physically, financially, that could not pay that tithe, or if you will, that that uh, sacrificial price of the birds, and it goes on with some flour and some other things that he has to do after he shaves his body to make uh, to make himself ceremonially clean. Like I say, it's fascinating. You read that on your own, but let's come back to the story here. Jesus wants him to go because he knows it will be a proof to the people that God has come among them, and the story, the power of the story, that this man could say, "I was touched by Jesus." I was touched. You know, think of that old song, He touched me. He touched me and made me whole. Um, wow. So there's a couple of things that I, I want to point out here to you. Um, and that's kind of kind of to bring us full circle on this. Uh, Jesus, after performing this miracle, it says that Jesus is... There's great crowds gathering around again. He's constantly being bombarded by crowds of people. And it says they need to be healed. They're bringing all their infirmities. And that could cover anything. They're bringing, their, they're bringing all of the things that, that bother them. In our context, that, that could literally be emotional healing, physical healing, relational healing. I mean, these are human beings with ever, all the same problems we have today. And, and they're bringing them all to Jesus. They're bringing them to him. And he heals them all. It just, his compassion is so great. He heals them all. And it says here that then he withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. Jesus is always setting an example for us that he gets away from the stress and the power the, 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 the stress and the power that it's taken of him to to in his humanity to do this ministry so that he could recharge and get refueled uh, in time with the father and in, so there's a place for seclusion there's a place for solitary confinement there's a place for getting away but when that becomes imposed as the norm, as we're struggling with now in this pandemic, it's, it's difficult. And I hear the voices now, I hear the voices saying, you know, Brad, 
suck it up. It's not that difficult. We can get through it. It's only a few months. I understand that, and, and we are. We are. But we want to acknowledge, too, the private pain that is going on in the hearts and minds of people who are sequestered and who are hurting and who have no one to tell it to. And they don't know when it's going to end. Because the truth is we don't have it. We don't have a date in mind. And we can all we can do is pray. Pray that we pray that we find vaccines, pray that we find uh, treatments. I believe there are treatments out there that, that are working um, and that will get even better. Because that's what that's what we do by God's grace. He's gifted us to be able to to find healing. This is how God heals. God is our healer, and just like He sent that leper to the to to be responsible to the medicine of His day, and the medicine of His day said He comes to the temple and performs sacrifices and gets sprinklings and other things. And the medicine of today is research and going to the doctors and the hospitals and respirators, all these things. This is all a part of God's healing to lead us to be responsible to the things that he's gifted us with and the things that he's called us to do. Um, I'm concentrating on the month of August as a month of healing. In my ministry, my personal ministry, I shared this with the church in my Sunday morning sermon, and I'll just share it with you briefly here in our closing minutes. Um, Six years ago, August the 3rd. Now, Sunday was August the 2nd. Six years ago, August the 3rd. So I, I, I preached it on Sunday, August the 2nd, because it was the day before. I shared how I was healed. Those of you who know me know that I have heart problems. I have was discovered in my late 30s. I uh, wasn't diagnosed until much later, around... Uh, around the age, uh, late 40s to 50, I can't remember exactly what age I was when it was diagnosed as hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is a thickening of the heart muscle, uh, the, specifically the left ventricle that won't pump well if it gets too thick, and so you're at risk for sudden death. It just goes into fibrillation. And so when the, all that was discovered, I had this defibrillator implanted that, praise God, has never gone off. But that brought other struggles, which brought some pro rhythm problems and some AFib. And, and then the medicine that I was taking for all of this, the manufacturer quit making. It was just really, it was working for me and it quit work. They tried two or three others and then none of them were working. And, uh, and I was very distraught. This was in 2014. I was very, I was very kind of down about it. Uh, trying to stay faithful, thankful to have the defibrillator, but just feeling, well, on August the 3rd was my day to plan a service for the church I was serving in. This was at First Nazarene. And in that service, I, I, the pastor said, you can just plan it. So I planned a beautifully, what I thought was a beautiful liturgical service. Um, and it was all about healing, anointing with oil, receiving Holy Communion as a form of healing and laying on of hands and praying for people. So we had a very brief liturgy. We, we, we prayed together. We prayed aloud together. We recited the creed together. We, I gave a very brief homily on what we were about to do. 
and the healing power of God. And then we had across the front of the sanctuary, five stations set up, one for each pastor. We, the pastors were wearing robes because we felt this was a very sacred event. And, and we wanted the people to feel that. The room was dark. There was a lot of candles up front. Some of you were there in that service that day, I know. And some of you might be remembering this. But that day, when it came time for the healing, it felt like everyone came forward. I mean, I don't know how many did, but it felt like everyone. I mean, we had an extended time. There was no long sermon that day, a lot less music, because we wanted time for God's healing and, and, and prayer. And so it, it just felt like literally hundreds, I know, did come forward. There were probably 600 people in attendance, I don't know. Uh, somewhere close to that. And as the people were coming forward, you know, we would, we, would, we would pray over them, listen to them, hear their heart, anoint them with oil, lay hands on them, receive, offer them Holy Communion. And, and it was just, it was one of the most moving services of my life. And at the end of it, I was just drained. I was just drained. And I think we all were. And I, and I turned, if nobody else was coming forward, I turned to the pastor next to me, which was my friend Larry Page, the youth pastor, and I said, Larry, I want you to pray and anoint me for healing because I am really struggling with this heart issue. I'm really struggling with an understanding that I'm going to have to go on blood thinners. I feel like, I mean, I just, I know that sounds selfish, but that's where I was at. And Larry reached out and he anointed me with oil and he prayed over me, served me the communion, and, and, and we prayed for healing. 30 days later, 30 days later, I was at my cardiologist, and it was time to see how I was doing because they were trying different medicines and uh, wanting to try and put me on the blood thinners, and I was saying, no, I don't want that, and uh, he said, if your AFib's not gone in 30 days, I'm putting you on blood thinners. When I went for that appointment, he ran the tests checked everything out, no AFib, zero AFib. My rhythms looked good. And at that point, I said to him, and I know that they can print out, I mean, they can check every beat of your heart. When you have one of these things planted in you, you can see a print out every beat of your heart. I said, I want you to go back and I want you to tell me, when did that stop? When did the AFib stop? And he looked at it and he said, August 3rd. That's the day, August 3rd. And I said, how do you explain that, Doc? He said, that's miraculous. And ever since then, my heart has literally become, at the, when I began this road with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, it was twice as thick as normal. Now it's within 0 0.01 of being normal in its thickness, those, those walls of the ventricle. Glory to God, hallelujah. I know that that day, August the 3rd, 2014, God touched me. And I'll never forget that. And he said to me, Brad, in your ministry, August will be a healing month. Well, I have, I, I, as an associate pastor, couldn't always control what you do every month. But now that I'm with the church in Udall, we're making August a month of healing. So I want you to know as you're listening to this Bible study and participating in this Bible study today, God's told me August is a month for healing in my ministry. If you have 
a need. Physical, a disease, an emotional need, a relational need. I don't care what it is. God knows what it is already. But whatever you have, would you send it to me? Maybe in a private comment, a message, whatever way you can get it to me. I'm inviting you to send it to me. Because on Sunday morning, I'm going to have that printed on a card. We're going to anoint that card. Unless you drive down there to Utah, and if you do, glory, hallelujah, come on in, I'll anoint you. We're going to pray for your healing. Believing, just like this guy did, just like this leper did. He went into the city and he sought Jesus out. We're going into the internet. We're seeking you out. Because we want to show as a proof to the world, God heals. Because here's the reality. It doesn't, we need two things we got to take home with us before we leave this study today. Two things. No matter how sick you feel, no matter how sad you feel, no matter how unworthy you feel, no matter how sinful you feel, no matter how rejected you feel, no matter how alone you feel, Jesus is reaching his hand out to you right now. He is. He always is. And he's always willing to touch you. Because Jesus will always touch the untouchable. And when Jesus touches, I think it's powerful to note that there was no leprosy transfer. Jesus is pure. And everything he touches is pure. So let him touch you. Let him touch you. This is how he's does. It's written in the scriptures. If any, is any of you sick, call the elders together. Let them anoint them with oil and, and let the sick one be made well by the prayer of faith. And this is all in scripture. And the second thing I want you to take home with you today. Whatever happens in your life, as Jesus touches you, and I believe he will, you're not absolved from your responsibility. So go show yourself to the doctor. Go show yourself to the priest. Go show yourself to the community and give glory to God. Give glory to God. So would you join me in that prayer for just a, for, for the, he, the healing month of August? And as long as God leaves me on this earth and I have a ministry... August will always be a month that I'm dedicating to healing. So um, probably a lot more I could say on that, but I won't. It's about time to sign off today. We just went through four verses today, very powerful verses. Next week, we're going to look at Jesus' confrontation with the Pharisees and the healing of the paralytic. Interesting, this is all falling in the month of August, which is when I want to teach and preach on healing. So thank you for being a part of this Bible study today. Thank you for being online with me. Please enter, uh, send me something. We're going to pray for any, we're going to pray for it, whatever it is. And I, I won't mention your name. Okay. I'll, I'll keep that private. You don't have to mention your name unless you want me to. You tell me if you want me to, but you send me a message. I'll keep your name private, but we're just going to pray over these things and believe and anoint and, and follow the, the directions of Jesus in Scripture. That's our responsibility, to do what he's called us to do. This is what he's called me to do. So, I love you. I thank you for joining me today. 
And Father, I thank you. Let us pray. Father, I thank you not only for the, the people that are on this broadcast right this minute, but for the, the dozens and the hundreds whom I believe are going to watch this at a later time. And I invite them, no matter when it is, to reach out to me for prayer for healing. And I know that your hand is always reaching out to them. So thank you. May your blessing be upon us as we leave this time of study. Until we meet again, we lift up the high, the, the name of our healer, Jesus Christ, our, our Savior, your Son, who lives with you, Father, and the Holy Spirit, as one God forever and ever and unto the ages of ages. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your time today. I'm waiting to hear from you. There's a note. Dennis says, I'm having back surgery on September 2nd. Three bone spurs and a bulging disc. That, my friend, is going on my healing card. Thank you. I'm praying for it. We're going to trust the Lord to heal. God bless you. We'll see you soon.